0: Okay, so I think I kind of have to start out with background stuff for you, because okay. you've, you've been in New York forever.
1: Yeah, I've been here about seven years, I guess, off and on a little bit, but seven years in New York, okay. 11 years in the States.
0: Uh, 11 years total in the
1: States. So yeah. what's
0: the story of that?
1: Um, when I finished school in Iceland, I had to go somewhere to study. Uh, they didn't used to have any advanced studies there. They've added that now. Either you can do a master's program there. But up until, I guess, yeah, six or seven years ago, you just had to go abroad if you wanted to study. So I ended up going to California, to Stanford. Is that there. what
0: everybody did? Did some people just stay in Iceland? And yeah, say, a lot of okay. people
1: just stay. Most people go to Scandinavia. There's a um, big group that went to the Netherlands. Uh, that tends to be the strongest one. But yeah, Scandinavia or the Netherlands tend to be where everybody goes or used to go.
0: What's the, I mean, what's the scene like there? In Iceland? I mean, well, I mean, you said if everybody goes to... In Iceland, if there was a big exodus to uh, the Netherlands, then i make an assumption that... Right. Yeah.
1: Well, everybody goes back, right? Guys that went to the Netherlands of my generation, they weren't studying with the sort of typical Dutch composers. They were all like Clarence Barlow students or students of some of the people around them. So it was more sort of conceptual stuff. Um, so there's a, and a lot of them went to sonology as well. So the scene is fairly conceptual. There's like almost two scenes. There's the sort of more traditional modern music scene not like conservative just you know straight up modern music and then there's a a much more sort of conceptual scene that is uh, closer to performance art or visual art in some ways and that sort of is a little bit younger like maybe four or five years younger than me kids and there's actually there's some overlap finally happening where their music is getting performed by the more sort of stable ensembles but for the longest time It used to, well, I mean, for the longest time, there just weren't that many ensembles and there wasn't necessarily that much happening. I'm going to get killed for saying these things. Why
0: are you going to get killed for saying these things, though? Well,
1: you know, they're not exactly true. I mean, you could look at it differently, but from my standpoint, these are, you know. I
0: I think the thing is, everybody gets worried, but I think everybody kind of understands that this is a subjective thing, right? Exactly. Yeah. You were there for a while and it started blending just people's attitudes, got less stodgy. No, that
1: happened after I left. So, I mean, I think. Really what changed a lot of things was um, my friends had this collaborative or collective, I guess is the correct term for it, uh, called Slauter, which is um, sort of a loosely affiliated uh, group of people that started sort of doing concert planning and, and does a lot of conceptual things. And what happened is that they managed to build an audience that wasn't the traditional classical music audience or modern music audience. And I think seeing them do really well with with uh, getting audiences i think people just and i mean also the ensembles got younger there was a, a generational shift in, in all the ensembles so people are just more open so more open <laughs> people took over the scene and, and the scene started melting together um it can't be that big of a scene it's such a no, small country I mean, right well there are about 50 composers in iceland i think the country is like three hundred thousand people with 50 composers i mean I think it's, there's
0: 50 composers on any given block in germany yeah <laughs> or, exactly yeah, i mean yeah. it's
1: the same it's the same problem But a lot of them are, are, you know, a little bit older. So I guess in the sort of younger part of the scene, uh, yeah, there's maybe 20 people, something like that.
0: Can you have a career doing it just as an Icelandic composer?
1: It's hard to say. Um, Some people do. I mean, most people teach. You teach a lot and then you um, basically get some commissions. There's a really good grant system for artists. So you can get like a few months, a year, every few years paid by the government to uh, do your stuff. So that's really helpful. And I think it's a lot better now. For example, um, the current conductor of the symphony is uh, this guy, Elon Volkov, and he has really changed things a lot. So, like, he is commissioning a lot more, getting a lot more things performed. So, you get performance money in and things like that. So, I think everybody's doing a little bit better. But for the longest time, everybody was a teacher and a composer. It was impossible just be a composer. Right? Is that like a, a,
0: was that a happy existence for most people? No. Or most people were like, Oh, I can't believe I got to teach now. And I think there's a
1: lot of that. There were some people that just really enjoyed teaching like, and probably could have survived on composing. But, but in general, those people had a lot of foreign commissions, I think. Or not a lot, but that's where some of the money was coming from.
0: And you were one of these people where, goodbye.
1: Yeah, I just left. Um, I was always planning to go back. And then I ended up getting married here and stayed on. So the return never happened. Do so you, you were
0: really planning to go back?
1: Yeah. Well, in my head, I was. I don't think in my heart, I necessarily was. But um, given that I didn't really make any attempts to go back. Yeah. But I still go there a lot. I still work there. I have some really amazing collaborators there, and I really like going to the scene there. So, but yeah, most of my jobs are either here in New York or they're in Germany, actually, strangely enough.
0: I just want to do a little bit of biography stuff. So then yeah. you, you, you leave Iceland. You're like, this isn't going to work. I don't want to teach. And I want to keep on studying. And there's technically, there's not even a degree program that exists here. So then you go to, if I remember correctly, you go to California, right? Yeah,
1: I go to Stanford. So get into Stanford, go there. I'm at Stanford for three years, go to Columbia for a semester and stay on in New York for the rest of that year. And then I went back for a fifth year to finish back at Stanford. So four years there, a year here.
0: What did you think of California compared to Iceland?
1: It was really difficult. When I got there, I started trying to work a little bit, but it was sunny, and when it's sunny, you go outside. So I went outside, and then all of a sudden it was Christmas. And uh, it's still sunny. <laughs> it's still sunny. Like mm-hmm. time hadn't flowed. You know, there was no flow at all in time. So I just lost three months not realizing that time was actually moving. Because in Iceland, I mean, the weather changes twice a day, so you really have a clock that is like constantly going in the environment. And in California, that just doesn't happen.
0: And it took you three months to figure that <laughs> yes, out. <laughs> it
1: took me three months to figure that out. And I still, if I go there, it takes me a while to just remember that I need to do something every day.
0: But three months isn't that bad. To, no. are, are you that kind of person who's like, I always have to be composing? If I take, a, if I take three months off, then I, I, I used lose. To be. Something. At that time, I was. Yeah. yeah. I think no students longer. are like that. Yeah, actually. exactly. Yeah. It's when
1: you, I mean, you have different sort of heuristics to measure how you're doing in the world, right? And, one of them is how much time I'm putting into something. And you can be like, well, I'm putting a lot of time into it. I must be doing fine, right? It's the ways that you use to convince yourself. And, like, when you're starting as a student, you tend to be fairly insecure, and you need a lot of those things to convince yourself that everything's fine. You know, and as you get older, you just don't care about that as much.
0: Well, I, you know, I'm still in that mode then, because I still feel... <laughs> no, seriously, I still feel like I... At the end of the day, I judge my day by, like, okay, I did this for four hours, I did that for five yeah. hours, and, like, I... I I'll add it up and I'm like, I worked hard today. That's yes. cool. And I worked towards something then I go to bed and wake up. But it is actually right. amount of work per day that I judge it in. And yeah. even if I do something for a short period of time and I make an ama- I have like this amazing I don't know, epiphany or make this amazing amount of headway within that short period of time and then for the rest of the day I'm not doing anything, I still probably don't... I probably judge it a little bit more harsher oh, yeah, no, than I, I mean, would have if I like put in the actual labor.
1: Yeah, definitely. That used to be the case. I mean we're talking about like years of therapy just to fix this problem, I mean, for God's sakes. It's like, it isn't a problem for most other people, but it just became a huge problem for me where if you measure time that way or measure your work that way, how do you balance work life, you know, at the end of the day? I mean, that's the thing, I've watched so many people, so many of my fellow composers or a little bit older composers sort of just wake up one day and realizing that like they've just been composing and not really doing anything else. And it just freaked me out. So I was just shit. I gotta fix this, you know. And maybe it's a bad thing. I think. What do
0: you mean? Anything else? Do you mean like develop a good personal relationship or find some other type of activity that also contributes yeah, to the two composition world?
1: Or like you know, have sort of an active non-musical social life or something like that, you know? Because you know, it's not that there's anything wrong with those things. It's just I got bored with it, and I wanted something else. I wanted to try something else out. The first thing that happened was I just replaced it with a different heuristic. I mean, I just started traveling all the time to convince myself that everything was going fine. You know, that's the other one you use. It's like, oh shit, I have to go to all my performances. I have to like make sure that I've, you know, oh, I traveled like 90,000 miles last year. Obviously I must be doing fine, right? Right so
0: <laughs> you know you're saying this i think i think this interview project is actually kind of that for yeah. me too right because right. i'm like oh i interviewed you know 20 yeah. composers while i was here no i do yeah. this with
1: like there's always something there's nothing wrong with doing this because this is how you actually get things done it's like you convince yourself that something needs to get done and you do it it's like i wrote myself a, a notation software at some point like last year which took like six months and that was like oh i'm doing something because i actually made this thing and it's like yeah it helps me it's great it, you know, frees me in some ways, but it's also like a way of procrastinating and still feel like I'm doing something. Yeah, right? yeah. And I think composers do that a lot. I mean, it, it takes a lot of time to develop ideas, so you have to fill the time with something because I think like, you know, yeah, going and hanging on the beach or doing something else is not necessarily the way to develop those ideas. You need to keep your brain sort of fairly on target. So it, it's a question of how do you figure out ways that allow you enough time to do that without having to sort of force yourself to literally sit at a desk doing it. I still prefer the sitting at a desk. I mean, I still do probably six, seven hours a day of sitting at my desk working.
0: That's amazing. I don't do that. Uh, Well, No, I don't. I don't do that. Right.
1: Yeah. Else I'm aware that like 90% of what I actually end up committing to the page is whatever version of what I've been trying to do for the last three hours I come up with in the 20 minutes before lunch or 20 minutes before I leave. So it's like I will basically be looking at some measures working out all the possible different versions and like thinking about them and playing with them. But at the end of the day, I do like two times 20 minutes worth of work because, you know, if you literally look at what the actual work that goes in. But that is, of course, now then I'm not accounting for those two and a half hours so, on each of those that happened before it, yeah, right? So,
0: so what are you saying? You're saying like the, dis- the distraction now that helps you kind of focus your brain on that short little moment where you actually make headway is actually composing at this point where before it was traveling,
1: well, before I was traveling, it used to be, like, literally having to be writing something. Like, now it's just, I'm, like, just staring at it for, like, an hour, maybe, and thinking about all the different ways, which is composing. But, like, I think as I was, when I was younger, it literally meant... A bit Sorry. Yeah, it literally meant just actually composing, composing, right? Literally writing something on the page, and everything that wasn't writing on the page was not time well spent. And that, I realized later, was a complete fallacy, I mean... Like, I still work a lot, but it's not actual things being produced. I've gotten much better at recognizing just, like, when I need to let my mind wander or when I need to go and get myself distracted or when I need to go take a nap or whatever, you know.
0: And you said it took you years to figure that out.
1: Yeah, I'm slow. I'm really slow on these things. So, you know, and it happened in, like, some pieces which were just, like, really difficult to compose. It's like, I think that's how you learn these things. So you end up with these pieces where you get stuck And you slowly realize that the problems aren't the piece. The problem is your sort of mental approach to composition. And these are all resolutions that sort of came through that kind of stuff through sort of getting stuck in pieces and just realizing that. um, I guess it's like, you know, it all comes down to the masterpiece complex, right? I mean, when you're young and you're a student, you kind of think that every piece has to be good. And it's not that I now think that the pieces shouldn't be good. It's more I trust that my pieces are good rather than worrying about how good this specific piece is going to be. So the measurement is no longer like, Oh I have to work so hard to make this thing great because it's supposed to be great. It's just like no, I'm just producing music and the music some most of it is interesting to me but hopefully some of it is interesting to I think I'm
0: else. just getting you I think I think you're 5 years ahead of me. Yeah, I'm probably like, 5 I'm just, years yeah, older than you. Yeah, yeah, so. But no no, no, no no I f- I feel like I'm just like I I finally started understanding what you just said. Right. Like maybe a year and a half ago. Yeah. But at the same time I do know that it is I'm still working through it. Right. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's a difference between being like, okay, that's actually where I want to be. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. And actually where I think it's actually a healthy space to have your head as a person. Right. But th- at the same time, Bob, you can't just flip no, a switch oh, no, and God. get there. It takes I mean, time there, to get there.
1: There's still a lot of, I still have a lot of issues with it. I mean, it's, there are fears that come with it. I mean, there's, you know, like shit, maybe I should be working like 14 hour days of like nonstop writing notes, but I doubt it. There's something, about, there's, there's
0: something about the idea of labor too. Like I see – I feel like I'm equating myself somehow to people who actually do physical labor like right. eight hours a day. I'm like, yep. that guy works hard. Yeah, yeah. And then what am I doing? Like taking a walk and having my mind wander? Like right. that doesn't count. That's what that guy does for a break.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the thing is he's not wandering about the same kind of things when he's on his break. You know. But, but you uh, don't know that he could. That's I possible. Fe- yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, I guess so. But, I mean, yeah, it is a, it's a a—it's difficult problem, the whole labor problem. I mean, it's mostly like I look at the composers that I admire that are a little bit older than me, like a tiny, tiny... Just like the people that are just a tiny bit ahead of me uh, in age. Like, and this is not a career issue. This is, like, s- simply, like, a, it seems to be, like, an age-related issue. It's just, like, growing up kind of a thing. And I realize that they just tend to be happy doing... Like, sort of playing around with their things. I mean... Not necessarily actively committing things constantly, but just sort of experimenting and playing around with their stuff. And then when they have to make something, they make something. But I don't know how true that is. But
0: You said now you have the actual mental awareness of being like, okay, I've been staring at this. I'm not getting anywhere with this. Right. Now it's time for me to start thinking in a certain way. Yeah. Did you did you have to develop a method of controlling that?
1: No. It's sort of like resolving yourself to like, I don't know, it's almost like a, a sensation, right? It's like I used to be really, and I still am, I'm, I'm really sort of thorough. Like I like to like be aware of why I'm doing things. So I spend a lot of time sort of analyzing what I'm doing and overanalyzing it and just, yeah, being way too sort of strict on myself about understanding. And I think slowly, I guess anything that you focus a lot of energy on, your body starts sort of becoming like it learns when you're hitting problems and it doesn't necessarily have a a strict, conscious sort of understanding of what it is. You just kind of learn to recognize that feeling, that feeling of dread that sets in when you're actually stuck or when something just isn't working. And that used to just lead to full-on panic when I was like maybe 25. And now that just leads to like, oh, let's take a walk. And I go take a walk and I sit down again and everything is much better.
0: You just can't force your way through some stuff.
1: Yeah, and sometimes you're just stuck. Like your brain works like, you know, it gets so focused on the problem that it's not seeing the obvious solutions because mm. you've sort of, you framed it incorrectly in your head. And I mean, that I guess that's another, I guess the only sort of development of a method to do this is just simply being able to recognize that when something isn't working, you're just simply approaching it from the wrong, like you're framing the question in the wrong way, right? Because, I mean, at the end of the day, this is all music. Like, it isn't actually rocket science. Like, nothing is going to blow up if you do the wrong thing, right?
0: It just won't sound. You'll just be disappointed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, that also means that when you have an an insurmountable problem, it's not that you aren't finding the correct solution. It's just, like, the problem is the wrong problem.
0: Okay. So, this is all very abstract. Yeah. Um, Well, I think it's it's not even really that abstract. But, like, break it down for a piece for me now.
1: Okay. So, I mean, that's harder. (laughs) Yeah. Um, what about
0: the piece, I, the piece I listened to and that I was kind of was interested in playing was the piece you wrote for Loadbang. Okay, yeah. yeah.
1: That piece simply is a rephrasing of a problem. It's, I'm working on this opera that I've been writing for about a year and a half now and we still have 15 months until the premiere. And I just wasn't sure if a certain part of it would work or a certain method that I was using. So I was like, oh, let's try this out in this Loadbang piece. So the piece is literally me trying. It's actually good that you picked that piece for... That question, that piece is simply about framing the question in the correct way because I was stuck in a different piece trying to create materials that sounds like this. And I was like not finding solutions. So I was like pull that whole problem out and just decided to focus on that. In that piece, what is actually happening is that there's just like, I mean, what is it? I think the highest number of sounds that any instrument has in that piece is five. So there's a grand total of, there are four instruments in it. So... I think there are about 15 sounds in the whole piece, right? The piece is, what, 10 minutes long? And the piece is really about how do you recontextualize sounds so that, like, you don't feel like you're always constantly hearing literally the same sound, right? I mean, you're very aware that you're hearing a very small, narrow uh, set of sounds. So what ends up happening is that there are just all these different repetitions of about, like, I think the shortest one is about one minute, and then there's a two-minute repetition and a four-minute repetition. So actually you're both hearing the same sound in different contexts, but then you start hearing them over again about four minutes later or one minute later. But then I will sort of embroider whatever is happening there in a different way, so you start hearing it differently. So the whole process there is about finding ways where I have this sort of body in front of me at any given moment and how I can sort of color it to sound differently or sound new at
2: any given point.
1: Did it work? I mean what the music is nice. I like the piece. I don't know necessarily if if it's satisfying because you're constantly hearing the same sounds, or if it's satisfying because you're constantly hearing something new. But it seems to work. I mean, I think I've rarely had as as uniformly positive reaction to a piece as at the premiere of that one. Um, Uh,
0: from other people obviously not to
1: not to yourself not for myself now
0: this I mean this kind of gets back what we were talking about the argument that I lost with (laughs) like uh, uh, Ashley you know you had an intention right
1: right yeah I knew exactly what I wanted to accomplish and I executed that the interesting part of it is that all the conversations I had afterwards I don't think anybody got what I was trying to do but everybody found a way of enjoying the piece I think in that concert I mean partially it's because they played it Really, really well. So it was a nice experience. But I think because I had an idea, I had a very clear mode of execution of that idea. That actually wasn't imposed upon it. The mode, like the means of execution, were actually literally taken from whatever that idea was. Like there's no point in where I'm sort of willing anything onto the materials. And I think that leads to basically the piece communicating to you how to actually listen, or not specifically how to listen, but it communicates enough of what possibly can happen that you can create a way of understanding i'm a little confused
0: what do you mean by willing something onto the material
1: well you know there's a difference between looking at what you have and figuring out where it can go musically are you
0: just are are you just talking about i don't know maybe this is me but like instrumental possibilities and orchestration and saying that looking at a small chamber group and then you can also you can say i will you to be an orchestra right I mean or or you can say, you know what i'm just like this is i'm going to make this work for what it is, and then all of a sudden there's no forcing anything
1: I guess that's sort of part of it i mean it's it really comes down to forcing, but I think it's more not forcing any sort of semantics onto anything, right so like these things are just sounds in a piece i'm not trying to be like, Oh, this sound has to behave this way i'm just like i mean sometimes you get blinded if you have to if your approach is too strict when you start something, you tend to sort of start forcing things upon the sounds that really the sounds can't carry. So yeah. you start forcing meaning upon them. And in this case, it was just simply about, you know, well, where can this sound go? It's, you know, it's just a sound. You just
0: fa- you find the meaning. This is I'm sounding very zen right now. But like, right. you find the meaning within the, a sound. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's like in the least zen way possible. But yes, that is pretty much it. Okay. So you know.
0: an example I would coming up is is you would hear like a a flutter tongue air sound in this right. in this piece. Now, it would be forcing it to saying forceful to say that I'm going to use this in some type of dodecaphonic kind of like row to create some other type of meaning. Yeah. That's willing something onto some onto a sound that it, it'll just never work you're assigning yeah.
1: meaning to it you're not actually deriving the meaning from it so that sound like it, later on in the piece the flutter tongue at first is just sort of connecting with other flutter tongue sounds and then later on in the piece it starts connecting with this deep like kind of sounds in a in couple of the instruments and that simply is because they actually share literally the sheer perforation you know I'm not saying everything has to be sonically there for to make any sort of connection but like there's very little sort of imposing like, oh, these things here have to go together because like this is A and this is B and A and B make C. It's not like structuralist in that way. It's more you know, oh, we happen to be here in the point and I have these kind of sounds available. Like, you know, let's just be seem to associate well. You know?
0: Is that what you mean by reframing the problem? Is like maybe maybe you'd be looking at this I mean this actually goes back to like the working methodology that you right. use. You're like, oh I'm I'm going to find a way to, you know, do this and you kind of look at it and then you'd say, okay, it's not working. I need to think about something else. You get up and walk away and be like, actually, it's not about that. It's about like the fact that this air sound is connected to this air sound and not that it's connected to some other type of scheme that I was trying to like pound into it before.
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly, uh, that's exactly it. And I mean, it's really about realizing when you're in a moment like a given moment in the piece. So I'm, I'm using moment, like literally the, pa- the point on the page that you're staring at, right? Not like moment in any sort of conceptual way. Like that given moment, usually when I have problems is because I am trying to look at all the other, all of the history of whatever is creating that moment and all of the future that is creating that moment rather than just look at, well, what is that moment? Like you are at a certain point and you just need to trust that you've done something in the past and that's always going to be with you when you've gotten to that point in the piece and you know sort of where you're going and that's going to be with you but if you're trying to sort of wedge it together to work it's fine to wedge things together once in a while but if you're constantly throughout the whole piece trying to wedge together the past and the future instead of actually composing the moment you end up with something pretty forced
0: it's fun- yeah it's, it's funny how you say that and all of a sudden in my mind pops just Terrible music that doesn't work, right? <laughs> right? Exactly. Like, and I'm sure like the examples in my mind are different from the examples in oh, yeah. person's, you know, head. But it's like,
1: and I mean, examples of pieces. All of my those own concerts pos- I've been too, to, but yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like a lot of music that just. I think a friend of mine described this as like music that doesn't really have any purpose because it's just simply filling the time, right? And not in the sense of like, oh, here we have this wonderful time, let's fill it with something. But literally, it's like shit. I have this time that I need to fill. I'm gonna like. You know, trying to like get all these things to actually work together. And you're sort of spending all the energy on holding the piece together versus enjoying creating something in the moment where you have the moment in front of you.
0: You think so? You think just wedging like that constantly is just bad composing?
1: Long pause. Um, yeah, I'll keep the pause in. <laughs> no, I'm just saying there will I be mean, a long pause. You're not going to get an answer out of me. I think it tends to be, yeah, I think it tends to lead to bad composing. It's a bad habit. Let's call it that. I don't think it universally produces bad music. I think it produces unhappiness when you're composing. I mean, I know it's silly to judge composing based on that, but there is a component of that. If like if the composer is miserable the whole time, the music is not going to be terribly good that he's producing. I wonder if that's true. I Probably not, actually. It sounds good, though. It sounds very hippie.
0: I'm just thinking about my own pieces now. Right. And there were some pieces I was pretty miserable composing. Yeah. But it was because... I didn't know how to do what I wanted to do yet. But I don't think... But it was, me, right. it was me figuring out how maybe not to wedge. Right. But and, that, and that in itself was like a... Like, don't
1: get me wrong. I'm not saying you shouldn't push yourself. I'm not saying there aren't moments where I'm miserable. I'm saying like if the whole piece throughout is miserable, that tends to... I mean, interesting things can happen, but it usually is not... It's usually because your brain goes and tries to make it interesting for you somehow, rather than actually the process that is making you miserable being interesting.
0: Do you think this kind of like flow, not flow, what the hell am I talking about? Like this, this kind of sitting down and figuring out where the sounds naturally go, do you think that always points to a certain type of form no, I think if, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know because right everything you said to me now. Oh, where's this going? And then I picture it in my head. I'm like, oh, this. I picture this arc form somehow, like right, where right, everything right, right, right. is incredibly fluid and easy and flows right into one yeah, another. Because yeah, yeah. that's what. Because that's what you know the sound will naturally right. do. Well, right? I mean, and the, then I think of wedging as like these right. kind of gnarly juxtapositions of.
1: Oh no, I don't mean, of mean like weird of that yeah. song type. I mean, I think the flowy. Form that you're describing there that just happens because of the materials you pick it's easier to do this with materials that don't have any angles on them like the less angles are on a material or a sound the easier it is to make it work with all the other ones right? yeah exactly right so that is just like a question of how you set it up when you start I mean um, I don't know if you listen to the negotiation of context C which is like this piano piece that one has a lot more sort of it's a piano it doesn't have any sound so you can't really do that and that one plays the same game. There are about 15 sounds in that piece. And the piece is 11 minutes of constantly new things happening. And like Long Study, the, the load bank piece, that is very much an arc form. Like it really feels like it flows. It feels yeah, and that's the example right? that I'm thinking um, of. But the other piece, it's like more like constantly new, 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 new. And it's exactly the same work method on the two of them. So I think it really depends on what it is that you set out with, what kind of an idea, what you're trying to execute. The vetting, I'm not talking about any real difference between what the musical materials or surface necessarily is. It's just this difference between- Imposing meaning. Imposing meaning or forcing an effort into something that can't actually carry
2: that effort. (laughs)
0: you. <laughs> When did you start to think this way? When, when did you come to this realization of, hey, this is at, at the very least what works for me and also what I hear in music that I think is
1: good? The realization itself came like six years ago, right after graduating, but... Um, right after graduating? Yeah. Or like at the end of graduating, sort of the first, last piece I wrote while I was still studying is kind of breakthrough in that. But it took about five years to master this in some way. Not master it in the sense that I think I've mastered it, but you know what I mean. Like actually getting this into the music
0: yeah and this is also this is the result i'm most satisfied is when i start thinking in this way
1: exactly and it's it's and each piece has a whole spectrum of moments that range from being wedged into being or like being forced into being completely wonderfully fluid like i'm not able to write a piece throughout where i don't have to force something at some point right and i'm hoping to get there but you never really know right yeah and I don't know necessarily if, it, if it's interesting when you get there, but those kind of things are more interesting when you're trying to get there. Like there's some, it's the whole late composer, early composer question. Like you can look at things like, look at classical music in Rococo, right? You have in Rococo, you have a, all the classical music cliches happening, but they're wrong, but it's written before they became cliches. So it isn't yeah. really wrong, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. But okay. they still sound yeah. wrong, right? So in some ways, it's much more exciting the Rococo music is more exciting in many ways. Or it's like, like Giswaldo
0: you know. counterpoint or something like yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like before before we all studied Palestrina as like, yeah. the correct way. Now you look at Giswaldo and it's like, that's like, technically wrong, but wow, that's insane. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So
1: yeah, I'm not necessarily sure reaching that holy grail of like, oh, this is all like wonderfully flowing out of the moment. I don't actually think that's going to make very good music on its own, you know. Like the struggle is kind of more interesting to get there.
0: You said you got there... I'm going to get to a little bit of more... Well, not biography yeah. stuff, but you said you, you got there towards the end of studying or a while or after you were studying. Yeah. It was. Is there something about the environment that you were in that made you feel like you had this will that you were imposing onto something that didn't um, fit?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's definitely was like... I don't actually know what led to getting stuck in things that I feel, felt were forced, but I think the thing that sort of really got me out of it was... So I had been studying with Fernie for two years by the time that I went to uh, Columbia and studied with Tristan Murai there. And I would be going back and forth to California to have lessons with Brian once in a while, right? And I would bring the same pieces to him and Tristan. And both of them would identify exactly the same points in the piece as problematic, but give me completely different reasons for why they were problematic or completely different solutions for what... He- you know, what I should maybe do there or something like that, right? And make me realize that there are these universal problems and these points tend to be the points where I was trying to force things together rather than allowing them to just sort of do their thing, right? And I mean, it's I am not don't mean like, oh, the sound should just do its thing in the sort of hippy-dippiest possible way. But literally, once you've started doing something with that sound, you kind of are at any later point restricted by or at least informed by whatever has happened to that sound or to similar sounds before, right? Doesn't mean you can't go somewhere else, but there's this thing of like, you need to be responsible towards what has happened before, actually sonically, more than to whatever idea you have about what it should be at the moment. I guess that's one way of thinking about it. You need to be more responsible to the history of the sound in the heard surface of the piece at the point that you've gotten to, than to your idea of what that should be.
0: Okay. At yeah. Okay. Point. Now I understand. Yeah. What about a whim?
1: Oh no, whims are fine. But because, then, but a whim,
0: what, like you, like I think my definition of a whim, and we have different definitions, is right. that like whatever happened before, I f- I feel like doing this right now, yeah. right?
1: But usually, when you do that, that is still probably going to be informed by it. That actually is more being in the moment than being like, well, when I started planning this piece, I felt like at this point, like these. Sounds should be in conflict, or some you know stupidest formal method that you may have at that point. If you would be like, there has to be a whim here. I have to come up with a whim. That'd be much more problematic because yeah. the whim actually implies that you are feeling what has already happened in the piece, right? You are listening to what you. Bring,
0: yeah, that's right? true. But then, how do you get? Then, what's right. a true whim? I right. guess to like,
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean, some would argue that there is no true whim. I guess.
0: Well, I guess. Well, no, I can't even think of one. I was going to say like throwing. Like, chance methods, but I guess not...
1: Right, I mean, there's... You can break things. I mean, that's another... If that's a Vim, like, throwing chance methods at it, yeah. Give it to somebody else? Give it to somebody else. (laughs) I've been thinking about that a lot. I've been thinking about, like, shipping off my um, materials to a couple of friends and just be like, make something with this. (laughs) See what happens. Oh, wow, that's weird. (laughs) To, like, not, like, actually recorded remixes, but just, you know, here's actually literally already notated all the materials. You just need to drag them around and... Do what you want.
0: Okay, I wonder if you can get insulted by that somehow. Oh yeah, you I mean, think you can... this is what I'm about?
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, they can do whatever they want with yeah. it, right? Yeah. But I think it would be interesting to see what people do.
0: Okay. Well, anyway, so yeah. So this is like towards the end of school. Yeah. And these two, you know, well-known guys, right. with two completely different methodologies, at least, yeah, are identifying the same. Yeah. Problem. Yeah, and that made
1: yeah. me realize that like there are universally bad things in music. It doesn't mean that like you know. These aren't even stylistic things. It's just like given what you are writing, there will be points that can be identified as wrong or problematic. We can call it that if you don't want to call it right or wrong. And that sort of kind of blew my mind, this realization that it's not inherent in the style what is wrong, it's inherent in whatever I'm writing here that defines the moment. And I mean this should be fairly obvious to most people, but you know again, I'm slow. It took me a while. So, yeah, you end up with these moments where, like, you realize that, like, the mistake is, how should I put it? The mistake is sort of latent within the style, if you can put it that way, or rather within the piece. The, the mistake you're making is not adhering to what you've already done. Because, I mean, this is the thing. When you're studying, you're, you're trying to break down the problem. You, try, you have structures. You have clear definitions of materials. You have all these things that sort of make it... You know, help you compose and help you compose in a way that you can understand why you're doing things better or worse. And realizing that, like, the problems that end up in the pieces are because you're adhering to them and not to the piece. I guess I can try and put it differently. No, 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 no. That's
0: not not what I'm struggling. I'm struggling if I want to say what I'm about to say. But no. Fight, fight, fight. Like, what if you're just accepting what they're saying as. A universal truth when it's really a generational approach to something.
2: That's possible. Because they're, they're, I mean, they're
0: all around the same. Uh, they're all around the same age. Right. They all went through the same kind of, you know, European, right. You know, wh- whatever. They all emerge from that. Maybe they emerge from different places. But I'd be interested to see what someone who is you know, 80 and still with it would right. say, or someone who is our age. And it's like that moment that was like weird. And every yeah. that both these two people were thinking of it as problematic. Right. Well, maybe you just need a different opinion from somebody who's older or younger of a different, right. right? No, They're around because, the same age. Right? Yeah. But if I mean, am
1: using people- them as an example. Like these are the things that were being identified as problems by mostly everybody that would actually take a serious look at the Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think it's a valid point. Like this could be generational, I think the idea of something being wrong is generational. I think that's true. that's yeah you know? yeah.
0: But then again, like once you like, I almost agree with that. But then once right. you remove that, then you go everything's okay. Exactly. And then, like, oh, and I mean, I'm not that the guy. I, I exactly do dislike stuff. So yeah.
1: yeah. But you dislike it because you think some things are better and some things are worse. And then you're like, well, why is it worse? Yeah, exactly. But I think like you know, it, it's a good question. I think a lot of things. That's the thing is the solutions that get me. They were very generational and they were very much sort of in the European vein. And the solutions I found tended to be not (laughs) those and would make them pretty mad.
0: And you think you found your own own solutions to them? Your own unique solutions to them? I think so,
1: eventually, yeah. Not at the moment, but it sort of set up this. Because that's the thing, it's like, I'm not concerned about how I solved the things in the pieces they were pointing out, because I don't think I've solved them successfully because they already were too rigid. I think it's more about realizing that I can be making things. I can make mistakes within a piece. Not everything that I decide is good is naturally correct, right? So, and realizing that that tends to happen when I'm matching things, when I'm forcing things.
0: Oh, there you go. It comes around. Yeah. Yeah. You're writing an opera?
1: Yeah. Writing an opera. Chamber opera. Small. Monodrama. How long? Uh, an hour.
0: I always ask this for opera composers yeah. because
1: what I like being an opera composer. Now. Well, okay, yeah.
0: I mean pe- people who are doing operas and also people who are inclined to say yes to a project like that. Right. What made you say yes to a project like
1: that? Uh, I created the project. Didn't say yes to okay,
0: it. Okay, so what made so that's even more. Yeah. Like, so what made had, you want to go there?
1: Do you want the literal real-world answer or do you want the aesthetic creative answer? Give me both. Okay, so the literal... I a little closer. Yeah, to the me. literal real-life uh, reason for that is I had a, I got a residency at Solitude for 10 months and I realized I also had six months of Icelandic artist residency funding following it or in the middle of it, which meant that I had fully funded a lot of months to work on something and I wanted to try and work on something a little bit bigger than what I had been writing. I had sort of i gotten so bored with writing 10-minute chamber pieces. And what I've been doing for a while was writing these series of pieces, so they all sort of hold together into larger kind of sats, I guess, you can mm. call them that. I don't really like the term cycle, but that's sort of what people tend to call these things. The aesthetic one was simply, I figured I, there was no way in hell I could write an opera. And I also don't think operas are terribly successful nowadays. And they kind of encompass all encompass all of the problems that um i have with modern music Mm -hmm. so it was a great opportunity to like take some sort of a risk and dive in so it was yeah that's really what got me into it i was like this will fail that was fun it's easy to write a failed project because you know it'll fail at the end you don't have to worry about it being successful okay but well that's
0: really negative that's really so you're saying you think it's gonna fail no i think it's a
1: great piece already i love it it's cool it's just not it works because it has to find its own solutions. It doesn't work because it's like a grand opera.
0: Okay, so what solutions have you found?
1: Got rid of the singers. That was solution number one.
0: Wait a minute. Okay, so this is not like... All
1: right. oh, there's opera. There's um...
0: Is there speaking in it? Yeah. Uh, okay, no, there's so no speaking.
1: There's, there's uh, the extended techniques form words that are then run through convolution filters to produce the speech.
0: Say that one more time.
1: So the whole piece is just like a bunch of kind of things in the background and those when they come together in the correct word form the form and structure of some whispers so the words that are in it are orchestrated so that you can hear through the extended techniques you can hear the word and then that is emphasized by running that through electronics and applying filters on top of that to prove the words.
0: So almost like a electronic version of like the oblinger talking piano type thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm no not pitches, I'm, yeah, but yeah. yeah, no pitches. Yeah, you could think of it that way. Okay.
1: And so that happens out of the musical texture. So the musical texture is just the sounds that go into that, then being sort of recontextualized all around it. So that sort of forms the body of it. And then sometimes that sort of breaks into full moments of sort of musical moments. So you have like this sort of very sort of wishy-washy space, that has these words popping out of it that then sort of sort of fragment and then s- those fragments sometimes assemble into really sort of strong moments. Was
0: this part of the load bang piece? Is like is this was this part of the experiments you were doing. Yeah with the, the load bank piece? piece is
1: testing out the sort of what happens to these materials when they're taking out of the words. You would hear a word and then you would get sort of the texture of a load bang piece. And then when things start happening in the loadbang piece, that's sort of what I say when I mean these musical moments that pop
0: out. But there are moments in the opera that are actually supposed to be concrete. Okay, that's a word. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How did you figure that out? That sounds like an ear cam project.
1: Yeah, still haven't fully figured it out. I'm going to Berlin or to Germany somewhere to record the uh, words. And then, like, I built a version of the electronics that works fine, but I want to spend some more time on it. So I need to go capture the sounds again and uh, basically work it out. But the way that I worked it out to be able to orchestrate it is that um, I made recordings of all the samples And assign them to this notation software that I use so I could actually literally hear it, have like sort of playback on it.
0: Will people recognize this as an opera or are they they supposed to understand it as an opera? It's all so abstract. I mean, you say opera. I mean, my brain. I mean, what does that mean? Yeah. Well, even if it's new, even if it's like a new music opera, I still... Picture like you know, uh, Ligeti or something like well, that. Well, I mean, it, yeah, it's like where there's people right. on stage. Yeah. some words are going on, and you it's know.
1: fully staged. It's staged inside a. Um, you're sort of inside the opera, so like there's no stage in front of you. You're like the instruments are all around you, or uh, in between the audience, and so is the performer. We developed all the visuals before I really wrote the music, so we knew how that all was going to work. Which works we developed, like that was another problem that I had with opera is. I've seen too many people write operas without even talking to the stage director until they're done with the music. It's like, new music composers are not really trained in dramaturgy, you know?
0: No, it's terrible. Yeah,
1: yeah. we don't know what the hell is happening there. So I had people work with me on that. My collaborators worked that out. And we all, like, we basically have workshopped it a lot at this point. So you'll recognize an opera because, I mean, there's text, there's music, there's staging, there's, like, the whole sort of multi-art related things happening which opera is i mean that's you know but the other thing that my uh the director is is very concerned with is the idea of drama because he's figured that like opera needs to have drama so we're trying to sort of figure out what is the actual visceral sensation of drama rather than you know
0: creating a narrative that breaks
2: you right know,
1: exactly yeah. yeah. so how do you feel how do you feel that big how do you feel that grandioseness
2: that comes with opera
0: And people will be able to hear, like, the sounds in this. Yeah. I, have to I read mean, the, I have the to sounds read... forming into words. I have
1: to redo those because it didn't work to do it live because uh, there was too much feedback in the room. So that's why I have to now go record the sounds. Because okay. we were going to do it live, and now we're going to pre-record this, the actual speech okay. sounds.
0: I mean, get, now getting back to the argument I lost with that, like, right. getting back to intentionality. Now, this, you can't argue, is a concrete intention that you have. You want to have these sounds into words right. and they're words which means people are going to have to say oh, it sounded like the word, you know, faster." I mean, I, you know, yeah. so but, you can actually judge this now saying that, okay I intended something and failed because they didn't understand literally what the instruments were saying.
1: Well, two answers to that most of the libretto is in Icelandic, so they won't understand it anyway. Oh, that's not... Okay. So, okay, so that's not fair. And the other one is for you to understand what happens in the opera. And this is why we did the visuals first. Nothing actually is sort of load-bearing. There's no one component that is carrying the meaning. Our hope is that you walk out a little bit more informed about certain aspects, and you have a certain sensation, like you, there's some shift in your perspective be- from before and after but we don't have any need to communicate it specifically right and therefore even if you wouldn't catch what the words are i think that you catch that they are words is the one the one thing that is important so it's not necessarily the literal meaning of them but the actual feeling of their being speech there
0: yeah but yeah. that needs to be communicated yes. so that well that's not na- the na- musical
1: thing that need is not musical that need is needed for the whole part of the opera it's not specifically a musical okay so
0: thing. it's not it's, so it's extra musical but it's still needed
1: well yes and no because I'm writing and that's I'm done writing, through the music right but I'm writing a version of it well for example in LA the electronics we decided to like pull them really far back to avoid feedback nobody heard the speech in the audience and people were really positive about it I'm writing a piece for Talia out of this piece which will have none of the speech and the piece will work perfectly so the speech itself is only needed for the dramatic needs of the opera not of the music in the opera
0: yeah it's my issue right right right. no it's my i, I mean, don't know why i don't i don't, I don't know why this but i don't know why it bothers me
1: i think but you're it onto does. something but it's like it's just you know it's very easy to find different arguments against it but i think you're onto something with it yeah, i
0: mean okay, i'm gonna try i'm expanding this now this is obviously just a couple well, they're all conversations but like right. what are you okay with that as like, as like a, an artist making something, putting out there in the world that it can be this nebulous thing? Is like as long as you kind of get it, you kind of get an experience out of it. Don't you want to be the guy who's like the archer who's pr- whose precision gets to hit the bullseye because you spend all that time practicing? Isn't that what good craft is? Isn't that what a good idea is?
1: To answer, like I guess it's not actually to answer. It's more a question about what your actual question there is because you can be that archer. And hit something, but you're not necessarily hitting the thing you're aiming for. Or like, rather, let's put it this way. But, but, but you know, in, in the world of archery, a that's target, a bad archer. Right, but there isn't necessarily a target. You are forced to having to shoot something. So you're standing there. There's a certain amount of wind. There are like 10 things that potentially could be targets. You put, pick the one that you actually can hit rather than be like, I want to hit that one target, right? Yeah, if you're like the best archer in the world, you can probably hit whatever you want in whatever condition you want but it's a little bit easier if you just are like well i'm gonna hit something and i'm just gonna figure out what is the thing that i can best hit today you don't go fishing trying to fish like you don't go hunting for moby dick you do you can go whaling and get a lot of whales without naturally finding moby dick right
0: yeah but then okay so, so that's where it comes in for me like right. yeah yeah but oh, you know that goddamn that whaler was a you know like, <laughs> yes. that one whaler is gonna be amazing yeah you know Yeah, yeah. and that should be, then you're aiming for the highest possible, you know, goal.
1: Yes, I agree. But when you look at the people that are at the top of this pyramid that we sort of seem to accept as a pyramid, if you accept that as a pyramid, let's put it that way, then you also have to look at those people and think, are they actually hitting the thing that they're trying to hit or are they just hitting whatever they're able to hit, right? Because we don't know what their intent is. We don't actually see what they're literal. Because you can make it look like the best shot ever. If Fernie, ha- a- Fernie
0: Howe has just been trying to write pop songs this
1: whole time. Right. Yeah, and he's like, I don't, yeah, exactly. I, missed, yeah, I don't know. I missed, you know? I guess. People seem I mean, to like what that there's, is. This, but- is a, this is a famous thing. It's like, you know, um, let's admit, oh, God, I've gotten so old that I can't remember this thing. Like in that first big Nirvana hit, uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit. Supposedly, they were trying to write a Pixie song. That's the official story, Right. So, smells Like Teen Spirit, which is, like, a major, major hit, like, changes the course of, like, pop music. Still
0: kind of sounds like a Pixie song. Though. Yeah. I not mean, a very
1: good Pixie song. It's a great song. It's just not a very good Pixie song. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, that's one of those things where, like, we don't actually know the intent when we consume the thing
0: but we assume that that band had an amazing vision for this unique thing yeah but it's just like they had they 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 just failed at whatever they were trying to. yeah 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 you know they slipped and landed on the spot and the spot that they landed on was so amazing just because of the angle that they were coming from that everybody was like wow what an amazing spot that was that you landed
1: right exactly and it's like and they do recognize it i'm not saying this is all like luck or like trickery it's like they recognized that they landed somewhere.
0: That's like saying every masterpiece was like invented the same way penicillin was. Right, yeah,
1: yeah, I guess so. But I mean, you know, there's years of craft and years of honing the craft. There's years of, of figuring this out. Like, you know, Nirvana had probably been a band for five years or something by the time, four years, when that happened, did at least one album down. So at a certain point, you figure out what it is that you're about as a composer and you figure out what is the best delivery vehicle for what it is that I'm about. Rather than being like, I want to make this one thing. I'm going to spend my whole life trying to make it. It's more like, well, I want to make this one thing, but I am who I am. Like, how the hell am I, gonna, how am I going to make this happen? It's not about the end goal of what it is that you're trying to make happen. It's like, what is your version of that thing?
0: But do you think there's a point after the initial miss or slip? Then you're like, well, I like where that landed and this is how I do it. And now I know to, like, aim the arrow a little bit this way yeah. if I want to hit it there. Yeah. But, now, but now you're not actually going for the thing that you want. You're going Down. for the place where you know it will land. Yeah. Did you feel like you're doing that now?
1: I fear that I sometimes do that. Hopefully, I'm trying to update the information about where to make the arrow land based on where I've shot it and it landed there, but to try and hit whatever it is that I'm trying to hit. Yeah. So you should be able to move the target. You get better the more information you get in about where the arrow lands. I'm not sure that what you're framing as a problem is actually a problem because I think...
0: No, it's, I, I admit that. It's my problem. No, right? but I don't yeah.
1: mean it in that sense even. I think it may be, it seems like a problem. And I agree with you on the problem. I just question whether that actual framing of it as a problem actually is a problem. Because I think you may now have an idea about what it is that you're trying to aim and then you fail at aiming it, uh, at reaching it. But like in the process of failing at reaching what you're trying to make, if you recognize whatever you're trying to make as something worth making you may end up with something a lot better that is beyond what it is that you're trying to hit
0: yeah but at the same time you then you also had to give up on your like maybe you know kurt cobain's dream was to be sound just like the pixies right and at a certain point he's like okay i know everybody loves this but now i kind of had to give up my dream of being that right of being that guy I,
1: i understand but like that's you know it's the question of like You can't change the external world or the exterior world. You can only change yourself. So if there's a confusion or a dissonance between you and the world, that dissonance is inside of you. It's not in the world. You can never force the world to actually change. I can try my whole life to write something and constantly fail at it. And I can look at that as a failure or I can look at that as look at all the positive things that I created while I was trying to hit that thing.
0: Is that where you think what you're doing right now? No, is that that's where you I think hope you'll to end up. up? Yeah, I hope to end up there. So where are you right now in that process?
1: I have an idea about what I want to make, and it's a very strong idea, like the one kind of idea that you're describing. And I keep that to myself, and I don't let that interfere in my work.
0: It's well, crazy,
1: <laughs> right? <laughs> right. It is crazy, but because it doesn't it's like...
0: inform everything you do, your goal. Right. You
1: know? Yeah, but it's also I just have learned that it's I'm better off trying to get there in small steps and and sort of enjoying. The journey than to sort of be beating myself up on failing at getting there right plus also i don't know if that ideal like that ideal has changed so many times and it keeps moving and i don't know if i wouldn't actually be happy if i reached that ideal yeah that's right? the thing what happens when you change yourself so much to reach a goal and then when you reach it it doesn't satisfy you i mean it doesn't lead to much happiness god i'm talking a lot about happiness I that's right, good i mean it's you know? good i'm learning something how to be a happy composer.
0: Well, I mean, or I think where you are as opposed to right. where I am. I feel, I still feel like I'm still uh, uh, aiming for that target. And even if it misses and people are into it, right? Well, I can't be happy with right. that.
1: But that happens still, like even, so the, the opera preview, we had it, it was sold out. It was great, people loved it, Yada yada yada. Me and my collaborator were like, we didn't get into a fight, but we were like so angry over all the things that we fucked up or didn't go correctly that it took us three days before we started getting positive about the actual event. And it didn't help that it was two of us. Like we Cause literally. Because
0: what was going on in your head was, I'm, I know you liked that, but what, what I really wanted to do would have blown your mind yes, open. exactly. Yeah.
1: But then after three days, we realized, oh, people actually like that. We actually have something there. And instead of being mad about getting there, then we start, you know, we've been adapting things to like, be like, oh, this actually is what we have. Then let's make this the best version of what we have.
0: If you had more time to work on the project, would you scrap it and adjust? Or no, if no, you're saying, okay, is... 15 months, so we have to work with what we have.
1: No, because the project is getting better and better. Each time this happens, each time we fail at reaching the ideal, uh, the piece gets clearer and better. Because the piece is going where the piece wants to go. It's not going where you know, we're trying to force it to go. I mean, we still have a lot of control over it, but it's like at every given point, we have to take stock of what is happening in it and what we're capable of doing with it.
0: Do you feel like there are any moments where you weren't on the same page as the people you were
1: collaborating with? Oh, Jesus, yeah. I mean, the whole collab- collaboration is us screaming at each other. I mean, but at
0: the end of the day, is there a unified vision or does somebody yeah. win and somebody loses? No,
1: it's a unified vision. It's, it's, uh, there's this term in Icelandic, three hella Uh This guy
0: is Icelandic that you're working one with. One of too. them
1: is, and one of them is Canadian. The Canadian lives here. And then I have a Canadian poet who wrote the libretto. Uh, but it's but in Icelandic? In Iceland. Yeah, she lives in Iceland.
0: Okay, she's, she's fluent in Icelandic? No.
1: She it's it's um she's good at it. It's very sort of sonic poetry. It's like um yeah, it's very sonic poetry so it's more about the sound of the words. I mean there's content and there's meaning, but it's it's a lot about the sound. Yeah, so three-headed It's like a type of a troll that has three heads and how does a troll with three heads do anything, you know? It, it can argue constantly within with itself and like there are all these folk tales of how they end up dying because they have a fight with themselves. But there's also this part where it's we still are arguing about the same goals, the same opportunities, the same ideas, right? So it's not like we have like completely different ideas about what we're trying to do. Like that's very clear. It's always what is the clearest version of basically what we argue about is getting each person's ideal, like killing each person's ideal because people will like fixate at a certain point and start being like, this is where we have to take this. And that's like when you go like, no, and you figure out why that is not going to work. So it's a very critical process. It's a really critical process.
0: And probably a lot of friction. That, yeah, just.
1: yeah, but we're really good friends, so it's working really well. Uh, it could go really badly. I mean, we have big fights, like really big fights.
0: So. Yeah, but it's okay Like at the end of the day, but you get beers afterwards or, or something.
1: Yeah, at the end of the day, a few days later, it will be fine.
0: Oh, so sometimes yeah, you got to wait a yeah, couple yeah, days. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: That's mostly me, but you know. And you
0: come home and you kick the dog and yeah, <laughs> the dog no. barks. God, yeah. that would
1: be awesome. No. But it's interesting. I'm actually, I honestly think a lot of what you've been asking about when these things changed and when I got focused on this, I've been kind of probably not giving you exactly the correct answer because I think two big components are working in this opera has changed this a lot because I'm having to adjust my work towards other people's ideas and ideals, so I can't be fixated on my own ideal. And the other one is, is staying at La solitude for like half a year with a lot of designers. And if you're a designer... The third collaborator, uh, Halldór Ulvarsson, who is this Icelandic visual artist, he's also an industrial designer and an instrument builder. Really interesting guy. He works on a design principle, which is simply when you have an idea, all the decisions you make are to execute that idea. You can't be like sort of getting lost in what it is that you want it to be. It's like the idea itself has its own will of what it needs to be. Like if you're building a chair... The materials you pick fold in a certain way, yeah, exactly. right? Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there's, you're forced to do this. And, and music isn't that much different because music isn't... Music has friction. There's friction in the actual literal material, both social and historical one, but also just in the actual sounds, right? Certain sounds need a certain amount of time to speak, you know, in the instruments or... You know, certain type of things work when they're giving this much space versus not giving
0: yeah, this much space. Yeah, basic orchestrational realities yeah. of instruments are, are, are the version of the chair has to have at least three right. legs. Yeah.
1: And like the thing is, a designer would never, or a good designer is always going to sort of optimize what the material and the mass manufacturing of the material, the cost of the material, all these things, how those go into the chair over necessarily their hypothetical vision at the beginning of the process. that hypothetical vision is a hypothetical vision it's like uh it's an ideal that you set there it's like architects i mean it must be horrible like you have this amazing first like sketch of what you're building then you send it off to the engineers and you get back like the clunkiest version and then you like make a nice 3d render to like prove to yourself that it's going to be awesome and then the building goes up and it's like made out of even cheaper materials and everything you know it doesn't work so it would be easier to actually Start off figuring out, well, what kind of materials do we have? What is the most amazing things we can make out of these materials, right?
0: Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think that's a good place to end it. Yeah. Hey, thank you for doing this. Thanks for having me.